What's up, Internet? Pete here with a quick disclaimer for this week's episode. We had a slight technical issue that led to Max's audio being a bit overcompressed, but don't worry, he only sounds like that for the first four minutes of the episode. As always, thank you guys for your understanding, and please enjoy the show. What's up, Internet? You're tuning in episode 80 of the Flip Screen Games Podcast, a weekly video game podcast where two best buds from different nations come together to discuss the wide, 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 wide world of video games. I'm your host, Pete and Bessie, joined as always by my very good friend and co-host, Mr. Max Wright. Ahoy, ahoy. Ahoy, ahoy, Max. It's good to be back, buddy. It's good to have you back. He's, uh, we had sort of a, a long week without you last week, but it's good to see that you're... Uh... Back on to, to host as well, because I hated that. Um, you did a good job, though. You held down the fort without me. I really appreciated it, and I think I think you did a good job. So round of applause for Max, everybody. Good I'll job. I'll take it. I will take it. I'll take any praise. If you guys have praise, leave it in the comments. It always feels good, you know. <laughs> <laughs> You've been getting bigged up, bigged up a lot oh, in the comments yeah. lately. The kids love you. Yeah, you got dragged <laughs> last week. Was, I know, uh, right? Like, I'm out here dealing with, uh, you know, a family emergency and people just talking shit about me on the Steam Deck podcast comments. It's, you know, it's... it's maybe uh, I need to stop making all these extra accounts to comment on things because uh <laughs> <laughs> damn i didn't realize it was called uh wax right huh who's that <laughs> so uh speaking of comments this week we've got a really special episode for you guys we are jumping into a big old massive question block uh rock question rock block we'll say because we're just answering questions today. It's all it's yeah. all questions from you, the community. We've had a couple great ones over the last couple uh, episodes that we haven't gotten a chance to get into. So um, today, it's been Max so... and... Sorry, no, go ahead. No, 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 you're good, it's you're been good. so busy the last couple of weeks. Like yeah. we've we've had these sort of in the docs docs ready to go. We're like yeah, we'll get to those questions, and there's just been so much coming up. Like the day of, of recording, day you know before recording, all sorts of stuff. So this week, where there's literally nothing to talk about, because we, we spoke four days ago, me and Steve spoke about video games, let's, let's talk about all these comments that we've been trying to, trying to get to. Let's do it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. We got some really juicy ones to jump into. So we'll kick, we'll kick things off with a fun one. This one comes from one of our Patreon producers, Mr. Zaid Ida, who wrote in and said, bit of a brain buster, but with The Last of Us on HBO, it got me thinking of adaptations. But the other side of it, instead of a game being adapted to a TV show, what TV show would adapt into a game well, an example could be demon uh, would be a Demon Slayer game being developed by From Software, CCing Sekiro. Curious to hear your thoughts. I like that angle of it too. Not just what show would make a good game, but who who's the right? Yeah, yeah I like that team behind it. Right? How do you? Did you have one in mind? Well, I was thinking right about about specifically about that Demon Slayer thing. Demon Slayer is an anime, right? It is. It's originally a manga. So I don't know so, if that there's a lot us anywhere of those. too. There's a lot of those, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna not touch on any of those because there's so many anime games uh, sure. out there at the moment. Um, I was thinking of the Mandalorian just because I know it's probably quite an easy one, but I really feel like there's there's some sort of great you know uh, bounty hunting. You know, it doesn't have to specifically be based on the TV show. I mean, obviously it will be. It doesn't have to follow the TV show. Sorry, but like have a you know the Mandalorian going out and doing his thing. You know that game is sorry that TV series is essentially doing side quests the show you know you 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 watch a show as a side quest move on to the next side quest having that with like an overarching plot would be, would be great um i feel like my joke answer was going to be a seinfeld fighting game because that would slap 
absolutely slap. That is awesome. So uh, I, I know you guys talked about this a couple weeks ago, but since you just dropped the Seinfeld thing, I'm going to bring it back up. Is I started playing Hi-Fi Rush this last week, mm-hmm. finally. I'm loving it so far. Um, did you catch that the organization is called Vandalay? Productions yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Art Vandalay was George's <laughs> yeah. architect uh, alter ego. I was yeah, like, I wonder yeah, I if this is that. intentional. Like, was yeah, this? Yeah, I a- wanted that. <laughs> yeah, I did think that. <laughs> yeah, I got, I got a real kick out of that. <laughs> um, Come on, what, what, t- what TV show would you like to turn into a, a, a show uh, did- game? I think for me, the the number one answer here has always been uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender. Yeah, that's great. You know, it's like it's just a show that has such a um a rich mythology. I always thought the world of of Avatar was really well realized, and mm-hmm. um, so I, like I I know now they just like launched that new studio and everything, and they're like making all these new projects set in that universe. So it seems like the idea of it of it starting to get expanded out and kind of grow beyond you know um the Ang part of that story, and then obviously Korra after that. Um, I feel like there's just so much you could do. Like you could tell a game about the next avatar after Korra. You could do a game set about a random avatar, like, you know, at some in nondescript point, like prior to the war, but mm-hmm. you know, after uh I forget the name of the first avatar that we met in the Korra series, but you know, there's like hundreds of them that we don't know their names and you know, like there isn't a lot of information about them. Um, so I think you could pretty pretty easily pick an interesting point in the history of that universe and yeah. have it either be like a, a, a single player, you know, open world, third person action type game where maybe you start as a master of, you know, say you're an earthbender, right? And then you learn the other disciplines as you go. Um, I think that could be cool. And like that could maybe like tease into a trilogy, right? Where the, the first one is about becoming the avatar and then having to do something with those powers and then... You kind of get, you know, the rest of their their life. I mean, you can, you can sort of see like a God of War style thing where, like, you know, yeah. as you go through and you're like, cool, now I know the rock powers. I can go back through to sort of like the earlier bits in the game and and go through ways I couldn't go because now I can move Earth or I can control fire. Or yeah, I have like a new trajectory power or like whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you could like splice in some of that those kind of like Metroidvania elements into like a more. Mm-hmm you know, op- open world third person or like open area third person kind of game like that. Yes. Um, yeah, I just, yeah, definitely. I feel like that would just be such a slam dunk. You know, I think you, there's a really good opportunity for you to make a, you know, a super, um, like a very all ages type game that would work for young players, would work for old players like us who have nostalgia for for the, the original series and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I just think there's a lot of ways you could go with it, you know, because like there, whether it's, you know, changing what type of bender you start as, whatever, like, you, they could even let you pick that. I don't know. You know, I think there's so much... Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's cool. so much meat to wring off that bone between, like, the spirit world, all the, like, crazy animals. Like, the you know, I think you could really make a satisfying, uh, exciting open world to explore and get lost in, in that universe. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Um, I've just thought of one while you were talking about that, because it made me remember that animation exists that isn't anime, and... <laughs> I thought Invincible would probably make a great, yeah. great game. Yeah, um, and I, I mean, I'm a huge fan of the original comic. Um, I, I would love to see something like that, you know? I think um, as as cool as, like, an open-world, like, action-adventure type game is where you are just, like, Mark and you're super powerful and you're doing all that kind of stuff. I think in the same vein, this is something I've always thought about a Superman game, too. 
I would be interested in seeing a character like that in like a more Telltale style game. That was something I think Telltale did really well with their Batman series, where it was like uh, there would be moments where you're Batman, there's moments where you're Bruce, and then you would have certain like areas of opportunity where you would be like, do you want to go in and deal with this as Batman or do you want to approach this as Bruce and like make different choices that way? I think something like that with a Superman type character who is like so powerful and I think like finding a way to um, realize all those powers and make you feel super powerful and have that feel satisfying could be tough. Whereas having like a story driven game that's more about you have this responsibility as a figure like you know, Superman, and then mm-hmm. how do you, like, what choices do you make? How do you, you know, like, leverage, like, you know, like, I could see a situation where it's like, oh, your super hearing is going off, and you hear these two different people struggling, like, who are you going to go save? And then that ripples out the rest of the story, right? And things like that. Um, I'd nice. love I to like see that, something yeah. like that, you know? I think that would be something really... Something with replayability as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, you know, it's like, I think, like, we often go to, like, oh, it's a it's an action-adventure game, right? And it's like, I'd love to see more experimentation with IP like that. Yes. I thought it was really cool that Marvel Midnight Suns wasn't just like a, another Ultimate Alliance or like a third-person action game. Yeah. A lot of the comments when the game came out were, oh, I was really excited for this till I saw it was a card game or like a strategy game. And it's like... I was still like, the exact give, opposite. Give, <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, well, I'm give, into that. Give other things a chance. You know, there's no need for everything to be the same as in another skin, you know. Um but I guess yeah, like, that's probably an important part of like if you were to let's say let's I'm sure if they did a, a let's say in a world where The Last of Us was a show first, I'm sure the game would be like you say more like a cinematic a Telltale thing, and it wouldn't be oh the, true true yeah it probably wouldn't be what we have now as the game. It probably would be a a a more like The Walking Dead um, Telltale like that sort of thing, um, or even like a VR thing. Who knows? Um, yeah, I think that's a good one. And I, I'm struggling to think of TV shows that I've seen that aren't sitcoms. I really don't think sitcoms make very good, uh, very good <laughs> video games. Um, Comedy's hard to do in gaming. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, just like there's, there's only so much like, uh, like it's always in my head. Just like the the Scott Pilgrim game, where it's just going to be a beat 'em up with characters and elements of that show. Um, so that would be hilarious for like. A workplace comedy though like it's like mm-hmm. like the office or something like that as a beat-em-up would be pretty funny <laughs> that would be funny yeah yeah, yeah. There's, the, yeah there's a lot of comedy in that probably probably a little <laughs> past our time on that one but, but i think so yeah, yeah i think so. unless unless they do another another version of it who knows yeah you do it with abbott elementary that's that's the new hotness was that, is that is that good oh it's great it's really good yeah if you're a fan of like the you know the workplace comedies like your office or parks and rec or any of the like abbott elementary is is really really good um, definitely, right, definitely that. check that out. I'll give that a look. Uh, this next one comes from our co-host over on the Nintendo Noise podcast, Miss Sierra Plus Ultra, who wrote in and said, "Out of the big three gaming companies, Microsoft, Nintendo, and Sony, which one at this point do you think is sort of doing the best, and which is doing the worst?" LMAO would love individual answers. So I think this is an interesting question because how you define that, I think, is changes the answer quite a bit. Yeah, I was going to say the exact same thing in terms of like, is is it who's doing the best for us as people that play games, or who is who is doing the best for for the companies themselves? Um, I think we answer it both ways. I, oh, I, cool. I think I think it's a different list either way, and I think both are interesting. Yeah, I th- I think that in terms of like who's doing best for me as someone that that uh, plays games, I guess you know Sony haven't for me haven't done a lot since 
which I know was very recent. I'm not saying like, oh, they've done nothing. What have I'm they done for like, me lately? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm saying that like when God of War Ragnarok came out, I hadn't really touched the PlayStation since Elden Ring was out. And I don't see myself playing the PlayStation again for anything serious until um, Spider-Man 2 drops. So for me, Sorry. like that's sort of quite low down. Nintendo, again, like they they hadn't done a lot for me towards the tail end of last year. But then this year they're starting off with like Metro Prime Remastered and with uh, Legend of Zelda's coming out soon, like stuff like that. But then Xbox has also got its Game Pass and it's got uh, Hi-Fi Rush. So I think for me, Nintendo's probably going to be for me number one at the moment in terms of who's doing best because they're releasing games that I specifically like. Um, what about you? Oh, and I think Sony's the the, the worst. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. Like, I I think I'm inclined to say that right now I do feel like that about Nintendo. Like, that they're, they're where I'm spending the most of my time right now because mm-hmm. um, I'm playing Fire Emblem. Um, I'm playing something else that I'm going to talk about in Nintendo Noise tomorrow. Um, there's a few Nintendo games coming up I'm really looking forward to between Advance Wars and uh, The Legend of Zelda and... You know, like, I, I think this is going to be a big year for Switch, um, at least for me, right? I'm going to spend a lot of time there. Um, so, again, right, like, you bring up PlayStation looking across the fence. I I do feel like, you know, God of War and Horizon were both really, really big heavy hitters for me last year. Um, and I played a few games in between that on my PlayStation, but I definitely found myself using it more for big exclusives than than not and with spider-man being the only big thing coming this year i think that it will probably feel like a quieter year for sony if you're looking specifically for exclusives um and xbox has a couple right like between hi-fi rush that was kind of a surprise but obviously that's already a big feather in their cap for this year um we know that you know uh, knock on wood right assuming everything goes as planned uh redfall and and um i'm i'm blanking on the name right now uh the next big describe Be- it to me uh the next big bethesda uh starfield um, starfield yes i wanted yeah. to say uh titanfall because i said redfall and i was like <laughs> yeah. that's not it that's not the game that's at all it. that's a totally different <laughs> thing um between those two right like if those games both hit I think there's a really good chance we come into this game of the year conversation and there are multiple Nintendo entries, multiple Xbox entries, and maybe one Sony entry, right? Yeah, I agree with you, yeah. So, like, with that in mind, I, I'm inclined to say right now it feels like Nintendo's on top for, for me personally in this moment. I think by the end of the year, I could see that flip to Xbox, maybe. But, I mean, like, Legend of Zelda, man, like, if, yeah, that's going to be a tough one to beat. If Tears of the Kingdom delivers the way that Breath of the Wild did, it will be game of the year. And I don't think yeah. anything, I don't think anything else can really get in its way, save maybe Starfield. If Starfield mm-hmm. feels like the next coming of Bethesda and it's like it has the impact that like Fallout 3 did back in the day or that like Skyrim did back in the day, like then maybe we have a real a real conversation on our hands. Yeah. Um but otherwise, I feel like I feel like Zelda's going to be tough to beat this year, and the fact that the other supporting like I loved like Fire Emblem Engage is probably my favorite game of the year so far, right? So like I think I think Nintendo's really in a strong spot. Um, when you're talking about like financially, I think it's it's interestingly kind of the inverse, probably. Like you could probably well, still argue Nintendo might be on top, right? Because like obviously, yeah, Switch sell through's been insane. Like you know, like that. They're doing very well financially right now. Um, 
even if you know certain segments of the audience have been complaining um, in the last year or so, right? Like I feel like a lot of those complaints are going to get addressed this year with really big pieces of software, uh, even if they don't have new hardware to talk about. But I would say Xbox feels like a clear third. I think like when you're just oh, yeah. talking about the financials of it, right? Because they're getting headlines left and right, but like you know, um, they're they, they're still so, number three. Uh, yeah, a lot of those headlines are. Sony, you know, oh, Xbox says Sony has a, a 200% market share or, you know, something like that, or um, a 90% market share. It doesn't make sense. It's over 100%, whatever. Um, I mean, 200% more, whatever. Um, or you see things like, oh, Nintendo aims to sell this. However, you know, uh, it's had a sort of slightly dis- been slightly disappointed with the, the Switch sales at the moment. And then you see headlines from Sony that are all, um, you know, 250% up on, on PS5 sales versus last year. Um, we've sold this many. We're sort of hitting this record. We're number one selling, blah blah. blah. So Sony are clearly, clearly a number one, and I think it's well deserved that now that they've finally got the PlayStation Five out for people to be able to buy. You know, people have obviously been desperate for this 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 stuff, yeah. and it's telling that Microsoft has never revealed uh, any hardware numbers, doesn't reveal any hardware numbers about Xbox. They only talk about Game Pass sales as uh, subscriptions. So. Yeah, I think, yeah, like you say, Microsoft or Xbox specifically, clear third. Um, Sony probably right now are up top. But I think overall, if we're talking like the last couple of generations, I feel like Nintendo has really like, um, really done well with mm, their with their game sales. Like, that, like, Yeah, but I mean, you say last couple of generations, you think about last generation was like the worst they've had. Well, right? I'm, like, think, with- I'm talking about like, let's say, let's say we include just the Switch and then we have PS4, PS5. Xbox One, Series X, the yeah. Series, whatever. I do feel like the rate that the Nintendo games sell and the fact they'd never go on sale and the fact that the system's never had a drop in price and it's still like hitting all these records and it's, you know, in the time that those games, yeah, yeah, that those consoles sure. have been out, it's it's sort of skyrocketed higher than they ever have. Um, for so Nint- yeah, I think Nintendo overall. Nintendo software sales have definitely, I think, probably dwarfed oh, yeah. the other two over the course of the Switch generation, right? Like, we've talked a lot about how it's, like, something like The Last of Us, which is, like, one like one of, if not Sony's big marquee franchise right now, um, aside from, like, I guess, God of War, right, which definitely sells a lot better than it. Um, Last of Us, I think, two sold, like, 10 million copies or something like that, somewhere mm-hmm. in that neighborhood. Um, it's probably more than that now, right, but uh, around launch. Um, which, you know, definitely pales in comparison to what many of Nintendo's first party releases are able to do, right? Um, yep. the attachment rate of their software is, is like through the roof. Um, whereas when, when, not quite the same for Xbox or, or PlayStation. Yeah. When you see headlines from, uh, like the last couple of years, like, oh, God of War has now sold 25 million or whatever it was. You think that's a like fantastic number and like that is that sort of like a nintendo level number and it's it's a game that deserves it and it's work that deserves it but also if you then factor in the fact that that game regularly goes down to like 15 pounds on on the the psn store or whatever um the uh, certain point the the tail sort of drops off you know where you go from like oh they're selling really well but you're selling lots of them at a lower price sure is that is you know nintendo is just selling Forty thousand copies of Animal Crossing at full price. Forty thousand copies of Mario Kart Deluxe at full price. Twenty five thousand copies. Twenty thousand. Twenty five million copies of um, Breath of the Wild at full price. Pokemon. You know they sold twenty million copies of Pokemon at full price. It's it's incredible. Um, and I think that's just the power of of a larger audience because they've also got kids to cater for as well. Um, but also, I guess it it could also be that Nintendo has less 
variety not in that like all nintendo games are the same but like if you're buying a game on your switch you're buying it because it's the only place you can get it maybe for the average user whereas on on playstation you could pick up you know let's say you're only buying six games a year if you're on nintendo you're buying the same six games as everyone else but if you're on playstation you're buying i don't know um god of war elden ring you're buying like if you like Gotham Knights, maybe you like Hogwarts Legacy. Or, you know, you're or like around all the third party stuff. You're you're gonna get like you know th- there are a lot of those people right that like buy a PlayStation. Maybe they pick up a God of War or Horizon once in a while, but like they're mostly playing like Call of Duty or they're playing Fortnite or they're playing FIFA or you know they're playing yeah. other big third party stuff that um, is more dominant on PlayStation because PlayStation has a bigger market share, right? But like those aren't exclusives by any means. And like, you know, PlayStation sharing that revenue. Whereas, you know, if you're a switch user, the stuff you're looking forward to is probably the same stuff as every other switch user, right? With save certain things, right? Maybe you're not into animal crossing, right? But you're going to show up for Zelda, right? Or maybe you're not into, you know, um, maybe you're one of the five people that doesn't own a copy of Mario Kart, but you'll show up for Mario party. Right. Yeah. Um, So yeah, I I think that that's a a big uh, advantage that Nintendo does have over the other two. That's for sure. Uh, Moving along, this next one comes from Trendy Brendy, who wrote in and said, are there any game companies you want to see return to the spotlight with a vengeance a la level five? Regardless of if the company still put out stuff, you can wish for Valve to make some threequels, even if you know that's not realistic. Um, my answer is uh, a boring one because I know I've said it before, but I'll I'll share it quickly. And it's Bioware. Um, yeah, Bioware historically, I'll say, is one of my favorite studios. Um, during the Xbox 360, PlayStation era, when they were putting out uh, Mass Effect and and Dragon Age, I think both of those. Um, I, I guess Inquisition is an interesting one because it was cross platform, but we'll just you know assume say both of those trilogies were happening in that generation. I think both of those trilogies are exceptional. Um, both of them have their problems, that's for sure. Um, but I think that is a type of game that nobody else makes really. Um, you know, you have other studios that flirt with it, right? It's not like there aren't, um, other games where you have companion characters and, and like, uh, a story where you can impact the narrative, but I feel like none of them ever feel like they ring as true as what Bioware was able to do. Um, I think even looking at like, like one of their big contemporaries of the time, like something like Skyrim, right? Where, there are so many stories in Skyrim and there's so much opportunity for role playing and for getting lost in that world and everything. But I don't think any of the characters in that world feel even half as real as like the NPCs that you interact with in a Bioware game. You know, um, each individual interaction, each individual moment in those games um, really feels like your actions have consequences and that, that, that like what you're doing makes a big a big impact, right? And that that there's going to be ripples from choices that you make and getting to see how like a character that you had a bond with in the first game ends up having coming back two games later and having your back, right? And things like that. Um, I think those moments just like, they're so rewarding and, you know, playing those games for the first time when they were contemporary or when they were fairly contemporary, um, you know, they left such a big impact on me and, you know, going back to them um, with both of them in, within the last like year or two between the Mass Effect Legendary Edition and then I replayed Dragon Age 1 and 2 on Game Pass just because I was in the mood. Um, they hold up so well, right? And like there are things about them that are not modern. There are things about some of the gameplay that could be improved. Um, you know, th- there are certain choices that I think, you know, 
um, not everybody agrees on or, or that, you know, certain community uh, members might change. Sure. But I think the core of those franchises of like get really deeply lost in a well-realized sci-fi or fantasy space and have a lot of the storytelling come from the environment and from interacting with characters and learning about their culture or their religion or, you know, like, or they're like even more like, small stuff like their family or you know their sexuality or all those kinds of things um i just don't think that there's any other series that recognizes a cast of characters as well you know as what bioware did back then and like they've had a bunch of these really high profile blunders uh between the last generation and up up till now and like we know that they're trying to recapture that glory, right? They are like going back to the drawing board. They are making a Mass Effect 4. They are making a, a Dragon Age that um, feels like the next step that we've been waiting for for a long time, right, with Dreadwolf. I don't know that these games are going to come out and succeed. I don't know that they're going to land. Um, they could come in hot. They could be rough. Uh, there's a million places where they could go wrong. But there are... With the exception of maybe Pokemon, there are no two franchises that I want to see be good and be and and not even be good, be great more than those two. Um, yeah. So if 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 this could be their opportunity to kind of right the ship and turn it around and and you know have uh, us all be like, oh yeah, like Bioware is back, that would mean so much to me. Like that would uh, I, I can't imagine a, a turn of events that would make me happier. Truly. I'm desperate for that to happen for you then, Pete. Let me tell you that. What about you? Um, so I was thinking about this, and I've got sort of two answers. One uh, is the obvious one. I would like I would like Retro Studios to be putting out a banger every two yeah. years. Like they did when they did Metro Prime 2 and 3 in the space of five years, and they did Donkey Kong Country Returns, Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze. The last sort of new game they released was 2014. And, you know, there's been so many questions about what are they doing? Are they doing Star Fox Grand Prix? Are they doing... Ten years. How? How have we gone ten years without some fucking retro magic? Can you believe it? But, however, this year they finally, you know, we've seen Metro Primary Master. We've seen they are still doing what they're doing. They're still sort of taking advantage of the hardware in ways that a lot of the sort of companies, especially Nintendo in the internal companies, aren't taking advantage of. They're just doing shit. And it's in good shit. And I'm looking forward to, you know, Retro Primary Masters are sort of like got me really excited for them to do things again. And I, you know, now I want them to do another Donkey Kong. I want them to maybe take a stab at a new IP or, or you know, they really do feel like one of the more grown up. Um, I guess it's because it's one of the only real Western, um, uh, Western devs that maybe takes itself maybe too seriously, but like how, how a lot of Western games are seen as more gritty and, um, and serious versus at least Japanese for like AAA, whimsical, yeah, right. Like yeah, you don't yeah, have yeah. a lot of big Western AAA studios that are working on the kind of stuff that Nintendo does. Exactly, yeah, yeah. And I'm glad that Retro has a chance to do that. And I hope that they get the chance soon to do even more stuff. I hope you're right, because like, I mean, I, and I think you got a good opportunity, right? Because I think if Metroid Prime Four comes out and it hits the way that it seems like Nintendo wants it to, mm-hmm. I think that could be that could be it. Right, like that could be the thing that kind of pushes them through to that next echelon, and like, yeah, it's it, when you, you know I didn't really think about it until you said it, but you look at like what they've historically been tasked with, and it's always like let's give them the like franchises that we've absolutely let lapse, and see what they do with it, and they just deliver bangers, and it's yeah. like 
I don't know. I don't know if they need to like size the team up. I don't know if they just had a couple of projects that went south or what, but mm-hmm. like we can't be waiting 10 years for them to put out. No, exactly. Like it's, exactly. It, we like, need a better clip from them because like, th- like their, their track record speaks for itself in terms of when they get a game out, it's, it's, uh, it's a, a console defining release. It's, yeah. or it's a, 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 a series defining release. They've never had a dud. They've never had a dud. No, I, yeah. Who, who, who shoots that straight forever? I don't know. I'm very impressed. I'm very looking forward to seeing that. Hopefully, I hope they get like their with this with this primary master. It seems to be doing quite well. People are trying to sort of scalp it. Like it's, it seems to be doing well enough that maybe Nintendo might get give them some extra funding to not only work on Metroid Prime Four and get that out, but also to start doing some other projects, work on some of their own stuff. You know, let, let's see some new IP specifically from Retro because I feel like they could do some great stuff. You know, because considering they've been able to make you know. Donkey Kong was never my wheelhouse. Never really played it before, but Tropical Freeze is one of my favorite games. So it's, you know, it's a, it's a it's a ten out of ten for me. It's, it's a great yeah. game, and yeah, I want them to to be able to do more things like that. My other option, which which if rumors are to be believed, uh, might happen this year, is Konami. I want to see I want to see Konami come back. You know, they're already doing it with Silent Hill. We've seen that, but I want them to see them like okay, cool. We're also doing a Castlevania. We're also doing a new Metal Gear. Um, all of their sort of like iconic franchise that people know them for that isn't just like live service pre-evolution soccer you know come back and be the the people you used to be and drop all the gambling stuff it, when i used to work in the, in the gambling industry and i would go to industry events and there'd be no one you know there wouldn't be video games there because um you know it's not it's not this right thing but there would be a one gigantic konami stand that would be full of all the konami like gambling stuff and it's like they have become a gambling company now they're so, they seem to want to do games again, and I'm great, and I'm glad glad for it, and I'm really happy to see um, them embracing indie devs in a way that I wish Nintendo would sometimes. Um, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, seeing what what comes of these Silent Hill games, whether these rumors about a new Castlevania and sort of a remaster of Metal Gear Solid ring true. Um, really hoping that um if they do make a castlevania game that's new that's made by a third-party developer so i can get another point on my on my list can i can i so i i this is the thing i've heard people say and it's like not a rumor it's just like a thing i've heard said enough that i'm like it makes so much sense and i really hope it's true do you Mm -hmm. remember how when sony acquired blue point um there was that conversation about how they were going to be working on on something new but it was not necessarily a new ip you recall right, that yeah 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 what if that's castlevania if blue point are doing castlevania it would be very exciting in terms of like core cool, new castlevania however i do wonder what that looks like in terms of in terms of are they going to stick with what lords of shadow was doing are they going to keep pushing in that direction or are they going to sort of bring it back and take it back in more of a 2d direction or are they going to do yeah. something completely new and reinvent the franchise in a new way um i could i could i I could see it going either way because like i feel like it would be like if you want to speak to the 2d castlevania audience i think it would be really easy to just do some like high quality pixel remasters and like Mm -hmm. like do it like aren't they like i feel like we just talked about a new port of symphony of the night not that long ago or something like that where it's like i think there are opportunities for you to leverage some of the classic stuff and then do something fresh that like gets the name in front of people again you're like oh shit blue point's doing a you know, like a third person, you know, uh, like 3D Metroidvania type Castlevania yeah, game. Like, yeah. I think that would get a lot of attention. And then you could partner with, an, you know, a, and I mean, granted, they just partnered with Dead Cells to bring Castlevania back in like a yeah. more 2D way. So 
you know, I, I'm I'm wondering because I I don't necessarily think that uh, Konami's like reemergence into into the space proper is necessarily going to be by them producing a bunch of stuff in house. As much as I could see it being like more like akin to what we've seen with like Marvel games, where like rather than you know this big multinational corporation that is in a bunch of different industries being like okay, like let's maintain multiple video game studios and and like go through that whole process because we know how expensive that is and how risky it is. Whereas like them licensing out Castlevania or Metal Gear or, or you know, their other franchises like Silent Hills, which we've already seen them do, um, to other studios, to indies, to, to establish third-party AAAs um, and just like keep the IP relevant so that they can leverage mm-hmm. it financially, like stuff like the Castlevania TV show or maybe making a Metal Gear movie or like... Oh, I forgot about that TV show. Really good show. Um, oh, I, I only watched the first like season and a half and I never... Oh, I've got like loads to get back to. Yeah, oh, you should, you should God, get back to it. It, it, gets, oh, yes. it goes a little off the rails at points, but okay. it's, it's good. It's good. It's a good show. Um, I thought that first season was like... It blew me away, for sure. Banger, yeah. For, for something like three or four episodes long as well. Uh-huh, really yeah. I, wa- I remember I watched like the first episode and was like, damn, this is good. I'm gonna put-. And then I just sat and watched the whole thing and I was like, fuck. Yeah. I could do with more of this. I could do with a lot more of this. Um, So I think think they are probably recognizing that in the modern era, leveraging your IP and IP management is one of the big things that is a moneymaker, right? And that like Metal Gear and Castlevania and Silent Hill and then like these iconic IP that they still own, that they're like, they're leaving money on the table by not leveraging it and Mm -hmm. just because they don't want to maintain video game studios and do all that doesn't mean that they can't have somebody you know and and maybe it is like a partner like sony or somebody like that right who's willing to like give them a deal for an exclusive offer and and get their games um you know get get exclusive pieces of content for their soft for um for their platform right this metal gear solid thing i think it's been rumored for a long long time it's always felt like a sony thing to me it's always felt like it would be like a blueprint or it would be like a ps5 exclusive yeah. by someone else you know it's always <sighs> felt like that to me blue point would be such a good cho- a good choice for that like they they're just i really don't think anybody does that better than them of like the you know let's let's take this thing from the you know ground up as much as we can and try to make it feel as true to the original while also feeling modern and feeling fresh and mm-hmm. yeah I, I would love to see them do that but I guess we'll see. Yes, we will. All right. So before we get into a couple more questions for you, I'm going to just give you a reminder that this episode of the Flip Screen Games podcast is brought to you by our Patreon producers for the month of February. They are, of course, Arnold J. Rimmer, Christopher Valenz, Earth Visitor, Gabriel Hasselmeyer, a.k.a. Sobe, Wakahula, Snackago, and Ty the Dude. Thank you guys so much for your support over on patreon.com slash flipscreengames. You're all the realest of the real, and we greatly appreciate your support of this and all of our sister shows. Remember, if you want to become a Patreon producer, if you want to find our content all over the web, eh, however you want to get involved, flipscreen.games is our website. Please uh, head over there, click on some stuff, show us support however you can. We appreciate you tuning in for this week's show. So this one, it's been, it's been burning a pole in my pocket. For, for a bit, it feels like, you know, we got another uh, uh, patented three question uh, formula from from one Mr. Asobi, one of our Patreon producers. Uh, so number one, Asobi writes in and said, 
I've recently watched a video about the stages of graphics evolution in games, talking about how game graphics evolved over time and where it could go from here. Do you think video game graphics are close to their peak right now? Or do you think that at some point in the future, there's going to be a new kind of tech that makes another big jump in graphics possible? Or maybe there's another area that could have a big technical jump soon. For example, AI, NPC behavior. What do you think? So I feel like graphics is going to be uh it's going to be one of those things that we are going to start seeing diminishing returns on i think we already are seeing that like you know there's always like other things they can be doing but i feel like a lot of the stuff they're doing at the moment is is very much like um it's just sort of set dressing on top of things that are already there so i feel like as we go on we're going to sort of hopefully focus more on performance which things they have been in the last couple of years you know we've seen you know um when they're not focusing too much on ray tracing we've seen like have your 60 fps mode have your um you know have your lot have your tight performance mode blah 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 um but um yeah I, I don't see there being anything other than like if when they start to improve ray tracing that really comes in that really improves graphics more than it needs to be i just think performance is probably the, the big thing they need to nail down really um it's interesting because i i think i think we have a lot of conversation about this that feels a little short-sighted um i think sometimes like and i i mean the royal we right like i think we get a little too bogged down in how things are right now and think of that as like a standard right because like i mm -hmm. think there's been a lot of conversation right over the years about how we'll never see the kind of graphical jump that we saw again from like the nes to the super nintendo or like from you know the Super Nintendo to the N64, right? Or or from the N64 to the GameCube, you know? And I think on some level, that might be true in terms of a massive, completely fundamental shift where you're like, what's everything from last gen looks archaic and what's new is is now the standard, right? I don't know that it'll be that much of a of like a flip switch, but I think all you need to do is go back and look at video game coverage during the original era of 3D games, during the second era of 3D games, during the last generation, where there's always conversation about how, man, game, video games just look so real now. It's like they'll never look more real than this. They're like indistinguishable from reality. And then like you look at a PS2 game and it's like, well, no, that wasn't yeah, yeah. right. Like that was our at the time. We felt that way, but I think I think you can look at that as simply as like, and I, this may be a controversial statement, but I think if you look at the PS3 version of The Last of Us versus like The Last of Us Part One, right? There's a a, a huge amount of difference between what those things look like moment to moment. Now, how much does that difference matter to your brain when you're just m remembering the game? It's not the same, right? It's not the same as thinking yeah. about what Mario looks like versus like mario 3 right or, or or like maybe a more apt thing is mario to super mario world right one generation apart um i don't think it's that dramatic anymore but i think i think there is a lot of still room for complexity and like in realizing the world right like i think of something like uh final fantasy 7 remake where when that came out on on like the base ps4 and like the character models are like, oh my god, I can't believe how lifelike these are. And then like the backgrounds are blurry and stuff because like yeah, yeah. you're competing for for usage, right, and things like that. 
I think those are the things that we're going to talk about more rather than, oh, like by the end of the PS5 generation, the graphics are so much, you know, it's going to be more like, wow, can you believe how many uh, NPCs you can get in the background independently moving? Can you can you believe how advanced this AI is that when I, you know, uh, like you know, I'm playing Grand Theft Auto 6, right? And I, I fire a gun out in the street and there's 30 NPCs and... 10 of them run away and two of them attack me and a couple mm-hmm. other just free, you know, like, and everybody's acting differently and it makes uh, moments feel more dynamic. I think things like that are, and, and I think that's similar to what you're talking about with like optimization, right? Where like being able to improve frame rate means you can get more stuff on the screen, right? Or yeah, things yeah. like that without how, how many things can you have uh, interacting at the same time before you start to experience slowdown, things like that. Um, those are, are, I think, going to be the more noticeable changes when we look back on what this generation iterated on rather than thinking about graphics. But I think every generation, if you look at the end of it versus the end of the previous generation, you're going to be like, wow, what a, what a, what a change, you know, because it's that just the natural true. way of things. I mean, yeah, look at like, uh, I can't think of any, I mean, look at Bloodborne, I guess, not, not that it's a fantastic looking game in its own right like design wise yes but maybe not uh in terms of pure graphics but if you compare something like bloodborne at the start of the ps4 generation uh to um something like god of war ragnarok right at the very very end like the, just the difference in that not, yeah. not only just like how it looks but and the fidelity of the graphics but also the performance and the amount of stuff you can fit into a space and how stable it is and stuff like that that is a huge uh jump i mean think of what the last of us part two looks like on a base ps4 you know, like that that's an achievement, man. And it's like, and you got to imagine whatever the game is that's the last big PS5 game that we think of as that benchmark, it's going to look, it's going to make that look archaic, you yeah. know? But that won't mean that that is bad. It's just, it's constantly evolving. And like things that we, that we take for granted become standard to the point where you don't necessarily think about them the same way as like, there's twice as many pixels on the screen as there used to be, right? Yeah. Like, that is so noticeable that somebody who doesn't pay attention to video games can see that change. And I think it's more nuanced now. Yeah. I do think we need to stop pushing. um, They need to stop pushing like the, the, the numbers like 4k or whatever. They need to stop pushing 8k. They need to sort of settle in on somewhere, whether that's 4k, whether that's sort of like, they call it things like performance. And I think you need to, to, to work on getting the thing that, you know, 4K, 260 FPS, where they start pushing on 8K, I think, personally. Yeah, I agree. I think fidelity is more important than, you know, um, or I'm sorry, I guess the opposite. Performance is more important than fidelity. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I definitely agree with that. Uh, and then, yeah, I, I definitely think, uh, just to answer the other bit, I definitely think we will see a massive technical jump uh, in regard to AI and NPC behavior over the next generation plus. I think that'll pretty, probably be one of the biggest things that we think about as being different um, as we see uh, just systems get smarter and like be able to have more dynamic um, if-then statements that create more opportunities for them to interact mm-hmm. with you in different ways, you know? Yeah, that is a great... Uh, yeah, that's good. I think... Um... I think yeah, I think ray tracing was not just in terms of the um, the lighting, but also the way they use it for audio and stuff. I think that that was a great jump. You know, the way that they can use it to make three D audio, and make games feel more immersive and things like that. Yeah, that's um, something I really appreciate. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to 
games that take advantage of the faster speeds uh, of the SSDs and stuff like that. We've seen it in a few games, but uh, most of them are sort of being PlayStation exclusives. I know that um, Windows 11 added a feature where if you have uh, an RNDA2, RNDA, RDNA, RDNA2 um, compatible or an NVIDIA um, RTX card, uh, you can use that to sort of access the, your uh, NVMe drive faster in the same way that the PlayStation can. So, it's, you know, it's one of those things that hopefully that becomes, you have to build it. It's not something that the game uh, that you can just do to any game. A game has to be built around that technology, and I'm hoping that's right. something that more developers take advantage of is, you know, you have these faster drives, let's let's do something with them. And I think it's a shame that Xbox doesn't have a similar uh, similar technology that, that it could... Um, they, that they could also sort of take part in because you know it really does stop developers from needing to use it. Really, if they're like, "Oh well, Xbox doesn't have it, so what's the point of you know not building a game that a third of our audience can't play?" You know. Yeah, I mean, as long as it's third party, right? Like, and I, mm-hmm. that's that'll be the interesting thing thing to see um, what Sony's stable of studios does with it. And that's one of the things I always think is funny when people uh, like to kind of decry. Um, exclusives right as being like anti-consumer and this and that and there's no benefit to them that is the one benefit to them is uh mm-hmm. focusing on one skew um and only having to make one copy and being able to focus longer on polish and what are they the in, you know the nuances of this hardware that we can take advantage of um and i think you see the benefit of that in stuff like naughty dogs work right and the fact that like they are uh ecking that or eking that power out of uh you know a, a, a at that point what eight nine year old system so definitely an interesting question um i i that's always the fun thing like when you're earlier on in a generation is you you think about how different the the early days of the ps4 were versus the end of it right or or even with the switch now is it seems like it's starting to move towards the sunset um there there are those really really big things that i think like you don't notice them as they're happening but when you turn your head and try to look back and think about how different it was at the time um, you see that we have we have come a long way in a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. All right. So number two, there's always been weird trends with some video games, such as the year where a lot of the big games had a bow and arrow type weapon. I think like 2013, uh, 2012 to 2013, or now where there's seemingly dozens of space horror games that have been released or are coming soon. What trend would you love to see next? I'll predict that the next trend is going to be games where the main focus is on physics. Be it a lot of destructible environments or focus on the puzzles on puzzles that involve physics, as seen in Half Life, for example. I'm glad someone else noticed the bow and arrow thing because I remember when was it Tomb Raider two, uh, and I think it was the uh, first Tomb Raider because that was around was it? around oh, that okay. time, yeah, yeah, 2000. Uh, so, okay, so the first Tomb Raider, and then there was Crisis Three. I think randomly had a bow and arrow in it. Yeah, I did. Weapon. I remember that. Uh, yeah, there was quite a lot of that. Quite a lot of that going around. Um, I think it was specifically you see things at E3 and you're like, that, that, there's a lot of that happening. And I feel like you, you see that a lot at E3s where you'll see like, damn, like we're seeing a lot of this one type of game at E3 every year. Yeah. Um, and I think that um, things like, or um, hopefully Skull and Bones and things like that, things that are um multiplayer games that that aren't competitive i think a lot of those we're going to see I mean, you know, we're already seeing a lot of survival games but even there in some way they are competitive especially when you're thinking about v rising or rust where you're fighting against other people and trying to reclaim space um but yeah, i think multiplayer is definitely the key because it's it's twitch streaming it's how you get eyes on things it's you know you can send codes off to stuff um 
but I say that I say that from a place of we've been seeing these games come out for the next last couple of years, and we're probably going to look back on this period as oh, remember when there was all those cult multiplayer games coming. Uh-huh. out? Uh huh. Um, that's that's actually my my prediction is that that's going to end. Um, I we talked about this. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, I think, to some degree. But um, I I think that given that we're oh, you know what it was? We were talking about this in the context of PSVR two. So I think, uh, yeah. uh, given a, a couple things that have happened recently in the market, uh, as well as the current economic, you know, reality that it seems like we're unfortunately barreling towards, um, I think we are going to see a huge, huge reduction in the number of multiplayer games, and I think we're going to see a move back towards single player experiences. Um, so, and I think that's for a couple reasons. I think the uh, the kind of like that era we had where there was that real doom and gloom about like the death of single player games or at least the death of big triple A single player games. I think that's proven to be false. Right. And I think that, um, again, looking at recent trends, uh, there are a few examples of games that have bucked that trend. Right. Like last year. Uh, what was the the biggest you know the big selling third party game that everyone was talking about was Elden Ring, right? It was a single player game that sold like twenty five million copies. Um, I think proving right that like single player games sell well if they slap, and yeah. um, and if they speak to a broad audience. So I I think you know when you you talk about this right, like I think there's kind of two things that happen when you have these video game trends get forecasted. I think there's some of them where it's just genuinely uh it's like a cultural moment right where like something captures a lot of people's attention and their their imagination and a tr- a trend kind of organically happens right then you have the trends that are artificially motivated that are there's like one or two big games that come out and find success and then you have dozens of imitators and Uh, Some of them are, you know, indie folks that are like, how can we iterate on this new type of gameplay and maybe try to do something new and creative? And then you've got like, you know, the the big publishers that are like, oh, I want a piece of that pie, right? Battle Royales and Farm Sims. Those are the two that come to mind. I would also say uh, like just games as a service in general. Like I think think Battle Royale is part of that. But I think before the Battle Royale trend, it was Destiny, right? And Destiny was the, the big games as a service. It was always online. It's and you saw EA and Bioware try that with Anthem, right? You you saw uh, Crystal Dynamics try that with Avengers. You, you know, we saw Gotham Knights last year. We have this Suicide game, uh, Suicide Squad game coming out from Rocksteady that are all aping what the games as a yeah. service winner it's, it's, Destiny did. Right? It's insane that Destiny. You know, it had a it had a fine launch but then very quickly i think people turned on it and it was sort of like well what did that mean why are we doing that blah blah that the fact that, that game is still influencing things now when pre-launch yeah hype was pretty massive and post-launch when after sort of everyone i knew played it they were like yeah that wasn't what i was expecting it to be i'm very impressed or not impressed i'm surprised that 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 is still like defining what people are making now i, I think it's because like it, i think between destiny and fortnite too, I don't want to say quote like new, right? They weren't new, but I think that they they signaled to big publishers that there were emerging ways 
to monetize games that spoke to a mainstream audience and that they wanted to get in on that, right? Because the idea of like, we release Destiny and we support this one game and it just prints money, right? Or we, you know, we create uh, a Fortnite type game and it'll just print money, right? And like, there are examples of that working, right? Um, obviously, Fortnite set a standard with Battle Royale. You saw... Well, I think actually Fortnite was aping on PUBG. Oh, of course, of course. PUBG came yeah. out, PUBG was the game. Fortnite was like, well, we're doing a mode, and then because of how accessible Fortnite was, because of how free Fortnite was, uh, yeah, it took off I remember, on everything. I remember reporting on that that for like a year and being like, yeah, okay, Fortnite's trying to like be the Pepsi to their Coke, and then it's like, oh no, they yeah. just totally eclipsed them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and, and you're right, you're right. PUBG set that standard, and then Fortnite, I think, became the de facto like that's what you think of and then you know people came along and aped what they were doing when Fortnite became the thing that was making a billion dollars a month and there were a couple success success stories right you had apex legends that worked out and then you had an established player in call of duty coming out and being like okay we need to compete right but now how many games rumbleverse right was a battle royale that game was out for six months it's dead now we had knockout city a year and change ago that's about to go away. Um, and so whatever on that and Ubisoft so on. Whatever that Ubisoft one, whatever that Ubisoft one, that was about the streamers we spoke about. Uh, yeah, I can't I remember. We spoke about it a few weeks ago. Yeah, I can't remember what it's called. But yeah, again, that, that came and went. I remember the one you're thinking. Yeah, but I, I, I can't. The name's on the tip of my tongue. Um, but, but so point being, right? Avengers, right, is another high profile failure of like a games as a service in that space. Um, I, I think that between the fact that there have been a lot of companies that have entered that space and and invested a lot of time and money to develop something that has failed and has not returned on investment and has been a public embarrassment while you have i mean again right EA who was one of the poster childs of multiplayer we don't do single player anymore all our games got to have multiplayer element they had Jedi Fallen Order, which was a hugely success, uh, successful title for them, which was a single-player traditional experience. They're doubling down on that and doing a sequel, right? We Dead Space as well. Dead Space, another huge example of, of uh, a single-player-oriented game that was a big W. We know they're working on Mass Effect 4. We know they're working on Dragon Age, uh, Dreadwolf, both big single-player experiences. Um, again, now we have Elden Ring as yet another example of a game of the year, high profile, critical, darling, commercial success, single player game. I think with where we're going right now and it being a, you know, um, us entering into a recession, gamers only have so much money to spend, let alone time, which is already proven to be a premium, right? Because a lot of these games, they come out, you play them for like a week or two, right? Multiverses is a great example. That was one of my favorite games last year. We just talked about how it had a 99% reduction in player base on Steam, right? These games come out, they have a moment, people play them, content slows down, people walk away from them, they're like, oh, I'll come back to this later when there's another drop or when there's this or when there's that, and then they don't come back, and then the game dies. And I think that companies are not going to be willing to keep just like throwing money in a pit, hoping that they're going to have the next Fortnite when maybe there's just not space for another Fortnite because everybody's already playing Fortnite or Call of Duty or, you know, um, uh, or Destiny or, or any of these games that are already established. And if they want to play a game like that, they're going to go to the one that their friends are already playing, 
right? Or they're going to jump onto one of these platforms that are not going anywhere rather than, oh, like, because I know if I was that type of player, do you really want to jump in and invest a bunch of time and money into a new game that might not be there in a year? I don't know. You've already, you've got, you've already got your, you spent so long on this one game. Why would you then move on to something else? Like, like, Um, I know, like for me, like I wouldn't play a new card game if it came out because I play Marvel Snap now and I'm done. I don't want to play another card game. That's my card game. And that's the one I'm going to support, you know, because I want it to keep going. Um, and, and so, like, with that, I think that a lot of these publishers are going to be like, I don't, this is a risk now, right? Like, do we really want to invest five, six years making this game? And then it comes out and it flops in, in six months, it flops in a year, and then we got to pivot and go on. It's like, it's not worth it, you know, because, like, a single-player game, sure, there's the risk that, like, it's going to have whatever sales it's going to have, and then the tail is going to get slower. Or whatever. But the other thing is, and this is a thing we haven't really talked about that much, there are other ways to monetize those games that didn't used to exist when we started moving away from single player. Because now you could put out your game, it can sell its 5, 10, 25, if you're lucky, million copies, and then you go put it on Game Pass, right? Or you go put it on Sony's thing. Or or whatever, right? Or you or you you know you get into sales and you you put out DLC and yeah. you find all these uh, these ways to to keep the game relevant. And again, we just talked about uh, Steve's Hitman impressions two weeks ago, right? That's a game that came out in what 2018, and mm-hmm. it just got re released effectively for these new consoles and. It's a, it's still out there. It's still making money. It's still and it it is technically a games as a service, but it's a single player game. So it doesn't yeah. need to have a player base. It doesn't need to have microtransactions. It doesn't need to have a season pass and all these things that I think by and large gamers are not going to have as much money for these days as we used to. And I think that those models are just not going to be as sustainable as they were when people had money to burn. Cuz you'd rather have more experiences, right? Yeah, I do wonder what that means for game sales, you know, whether people still flock towards these free-to-play games because you can get as much enjoyment out of them as you possibly can for your force to pay and then move on to something else. Or if we are going to see people instead go, no, do you know what? I'm going to commit to single-player games and, uh, I don't know, trade them in or play with my friends or, like, you know, uh, you know, play them over and over again. You know, things like Elden Ring, which you can get a lot of use out of, is probably better value to you than something like, I don't know, a free-to-play game where you put 60 quid into it, and once you've done talk across the end of it, you're like, yeah, okay, cool, that was, like, I don't want to play this anymore, but all that money's been sunk into it. Unless it's one of the games that you play all the time, and there you can only have so many of those, right? Like, I, I know that, like, one of, my, one of my, like, best friends, like, a friend I grew up with, right? Big gamer, but he doesn't play a lot of individual games. The games he, he's really into, he's a big Pokemon guy, he really likes competitive Pokemon, and he'll play that whole generation through until the next one comes out. And he plays Destiny. And he has a Destiny 2 clan. He raids. So it's like, that's his games as a service game. Like, he's not interested in the next one. He's not going to play Gotham yeah. Knights, right? He doesn't. He plays Destiny. Why would he need a new Destiny? He already has his Destiny. Yeah. And I think when it comes to, like, all these compet- excuse me, competitors, it's like, why did, I wasn't interested in Destiny. Why would I be interested in Destiny just with the Suicide Squad? Because yeah, I like the Suicide yeah. Squad? No. Like, I, I, I wanted a Batman game. I wanted a Suicide Squad game. Like, I want a fucking normal video game, not a games-as-a-service game. That, yeah. As soon as I saw that it has all that, I'm like, I'm not even going to pick this up. I'm out. Yeah, you know? it's, it's... Yeah, it's... it's, And I feel like they overcomplicate games like this to... 
I don't know, keep you to sort of give an idea or an an air of like, oh, eight percent of this or six percent of this. Like it overcomplicates it enough that that it must make you feel like, oh, there must be a nine percent or a ten percent out there, and you sort of, you know, yeah, grinding for this nonsense gear. The whole like looter shooter thing, right? And it's like, I mean, there's Uh, clearly people. It speaks to people to some degree, but like, I just, I don't know. I I think. I think that we've proven that the market can only sustain so many of these games at the same time, and that putting one out is like Russian roulette, right? It's like, are you going to yep. be one of the ones that hits? Or are you going to be one of the ones that flops? And if you flop, do you have the money, the time, the resources to do the Fortnite thing and be like, well, we're not going to let this die. We're going to pivot. We're going to find a new way. Because most of these games don't do that, right? They they go through their planned content, and then they they, they shudder. Yeah. To to hop back to the uh, question quickly, I think with uh, success of Hogwarts Legacy and with a new Fable on its way out at some point, I think perhaps um, magic in games, high like fantasy, or yeah, like yeah, that that kind of thing. Well, not even necessarily high fantasy because I wouldn't call Hogwarts that, but I would say like magic and spells and things that aren't the standard sword and board or like you know standard action fair. I think sure. might 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 come into it. I could see that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah, I th- I think I I could definitely see. Uh, I mean, we do have a lot of big fantasy games on the horizon too, but between Fable, but we also have um, what is it? Unavowed, I think, is the Obsidian one. That's like the Sky, the Elder Scrolls yeah. style game, and we got stuff like that on the the horizon for sure. And we did just have Forspoken, which was a very magic heavy game. Very well, true. Granted, not 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 fantastic, but there we go. Yeah, still there though. It, it could. It is. Yeah, it yeah, is. you could be right. Right, get me put me out of my misery. What is the third of Asobi's patented three question system? You know, I've heard Num- two so far. <laughs> number three to 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 wrap the show out on number three. Uh, considering that we are currently in the third year of this generation of consoles, have you had your quote unquote "this is just the current gen now" moment yet, or does it still feel very new to you? Would love to hear your thoughts on this gen so far in general. So that's two questions. Let's start with the "does it feel current." to you yet and then you give you a review as in like am i no longer like wow this is next gen like that like oh this is just the current gen now not like wow because i've never i've not had that moment yet this generation i've not had that god this is new they could not have done this last gen because the game that's most impressed me so much like sorry the game that's most impressed me on playstation 5 so far uh that you know i I didn't play or couldn't play on on ps4 i guess i could it was god of war ragnarok which is a game that is on ps4 and that that has i've been like oh you know this game is incredible. It's got everything. There's no way this game could be, uh, you know, there's no no part of this game that is weaker than the other parts of this game. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a that is a game from that is playable on last generation hardware. Maybe Returnal because of all the extra particle effects and st- particle effects and stuff. That's yeah. just sort of that's just like sprinklings sprinkles on top of like what is a game that was was probably possible on the the PS4. Um, I've not had that moment yet, and I'm looking forward to having that. I really thought that Ratchet and Clank would be that moment because. The way that the sort of the way it was spoken about, the way the trailer sort of showed it is like this is only possible on PlayStation Five. The the speed of the SSD means you can jump seamlessly between these two worlds at any point. But I never felt that. I just felt like I was moving. I never I never felt any like I'm moving between two completely different levels. Yeah, I get feel, what you mean. It just felt like I was walking through a hole and there was a wall between the two levels. And like yeah. Yeah. To me, that definitely felt next gen in the fact that, like, I believe that that wouldn't have worked on PlayStation Four because it is the whole like having two fully rendered levels and being able to step between them and like turn your head and it's all still there, turn your head and it's all still there. Like, I don't think that that 
feels that way probably, but I mm. believe technologically that that's like, I, I, I think both things can be true. Like I see what you're saying. Um, it just felt, it felt like, um, you know, not massive. Now you're going to say it is, but it didn't feel like a massive step up from, um, portal two, you know, which was sure. very similar. Like, you know, you look, you walk through and you know, back then I was like, wow, this is incredible. And, no, at no point during Ratchet and Clank did I get that same feeling of like, oh look, I you know I never wanted to play around with it in the same way of like, okay, mm-hmm. what happens if I do this and break, put this here and try and break this or whatever, you know? It was just a case of I've ziplined through to another place, but now I'm in a different level. I've just moved into another level. But but yeah. Um. So yeah, I I think I think for me, I I don't know. I guess I guess the question is interesting, right? Like in terms of like does this just feel like the current gen now? I, I do feel that way. Like, I, I feel like these these consoles um are just, like, a part of my life and my rotation now. They don't feel new in that way anymore. But I, I think I felt like I had the, whoa, next-gen moment um at launch because I think it's it's less about, for me anyway, I think when I talk about why you need to pick up these consoles even if you're not you know even if uh say like the only games you cared about were horizon and god of war and you could still play them on your ps4 or whatever um i think that the quality of life changes that that the playstation and xbox have made do not get nearly enough attention because i think we've been kind of spoiled by them um i remember how long load times were on the ps4 you know, I remember playing uh, Persona 5 Royal in 2020 and waiting like full minutes between scenes, right? Or, or or between transitioning from one part of the map to another part of the map and things like that. Um, I remember <laughs> when you wanted to fast travel in Spider-Man having to wait for a loading screen and then the animation would play and then another loading screen. And now you have to toggle that on if you even want to see it. Right. Like yeah. those are, those are huge differences. And I think for me, those make a big difference, not only just in like how much I get to play. Cause if I sit and play for four hours, like, you know, what might've been 10, 15 minutes worth of load times before now don't exist. That's 10 to 15 more moments of gameplay that I'm getting let alone things like quicker zoom and how that's made it way more likely and easy for me to like play what I feel like playing and not get caught in the loop of like, well, I want to play this, but I'm in the middle of this game. So I need to get to a save point and then Mm -hmm. switch over. And like, those are problems I used to run into commonly on the PS4. Right. Um, And those are just not problems anymore. And, and like all those things, I think have like totally changed the way I game. They've totally changed the way I engage with individual like pieces of software, how willing I am to juggle games at a, at a time and things like that. So yeah, like maybe it, it wasn't a night and day change graphically. Maybe it hasn't, we haven't had that moment yet where there is, you know, um, games that really stand head and shoulders above. And you're like, there's no way, there's no way we could have done this last generation. Um, but I would, I would argue that was true last generation too, right? Two, three years in, the games that are coming out, they look prettier, they they run a little bit better, but you're not really seeing the major innovation, right? The major innovations come on the back half of the generation when people know the hardware a little bit better, they've put a game out already, they've they've learned some of the challenges, and they've figured out 
what are the things that we were precluded from doing before that now we can experiment with and what is that what does that look like right um so yeah like i don't disagree with you in your assessment that we haven't really had that show-stopping game yet that is like wow like this is proofs in the pudding right um but i think just the experience of playing on these consoles is so much better no matter what you're playing right that that makes all the difference in the world to me personally i see that i'm okay with that um yeah, i look forward to seeing sort of like what something like spider-man 2 can do by just being on the playstation uh five yeah um really looking forward to seeing and like they... taking advantage of those quicker load times and stuff right like that's that could le- really lead to different interesting dynamic moments in mm-hmm. the world you know because you're moving so quickly across the city yeah it'll be interesting to see like maybe you could have like dynamic moments where like a super villain just attacks you in the air and things like that you know that we we yeah. didn't really have the opportunity to do on the ps4 it is a shame that um breath of the wild was on the 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 switch and wasn't able to be that fast because I remember when they released the dlc and you got the motorbike yeah um, the world like, you, the struggled to just keep up with paused. you and when i saw the the sort of the car and the stuff that's in the sequel i was i'm now worried that we're going to have a similar thing and that maybe you know if if a new piece of switch hardware exists and it's not this sort of super powerful like uh actual next gen you know nintendo console and it is more iterative i'm hoping they they put faster storage or like a, a you know, have taken notes on that that maybe you do need to reduce loading and or do you need to because um, Nintendo, I think Nintendo games do have a tendency to have sort of long, longer load times. Yeah. Um. So we shall see. Yeah, for sure. So I guess before we call it a day here, any final thoughts on the generation you want to share? Because I, I think for me, like, I, I've really liked this generation. I think I sometimes I feel like I'm an apologist for it because I feel like people get a little like it's not been enough and it feels like last gen and they launched too early. And like I, from day one have been thankful for the changes that they've brought to the day-to-day experience. Right. And like even going back and playing older games on the new hardware makes them feel new again for me. So like, I, I would say I feel very high on this generation, even if it's been, you know, um, stunted in some ways by, console constraints and the pandemic affecting game timelines and all those things. Like I recognize those challenges, but I, I would be miserable. I think if I, if I had to go back to the way it was, or if we hadn't gotten these upgrades when we got them, cause I know going into the PlayStation five and Xbox series X, I was really ready for, for something new. Cause I was really getting tired of how much time I was spending mm-hmm. scrolling on Twitter, waiting for my games to load up. You know, I think I think that I have played a lot of good games this generation, as in and talking from twenty twenty onwards. I don't know how much of that is specifically down to the PlayStation Five, uh, or I, I don't own an Xbox, so I can only go based on the PS Five. Like I've really enjoyed sure. the PS Five. Enjoyed it was my first like first actual PlayStation system. Um, it was rather than the PS Two. Sorry, but first one I bought myself and have owned myself and have exclusively played on myself. Um, I think it's a great bit of kit. I think it's it's had some great games, but I don't know if I can say that you know the the amazing times that we've been games have played in the last two you know two and a bit years have been down to it playing on the PS5 and how much of it is just like I've been able to play Bloodborne, I've been able to play God of War, I've been able to play Spider Man, like all of these games that were on the PS4 already. So yeah, so yes, 
that's uh, that's it's, we have different experiences, I guess, because you were very much had played a lot of PlayStation beforehand. You currently play an Xbox Series X, which I've not, which I've not had a chance to sort of like really. And I didn't have an Xbox really? last generation either, so that's yeah. like another dynamic shift, right? Of yeah. like, I wasn't really taking advantage of Game Pass like that. Smart mm-hmm. delivery and and quicker zoom mm-hmm. didn't exist, so like those are bi- are big changes for me personally as well. Yep. And also, I've always been someone who has played on a PlayStation, uh, sorry, a PC. Mm-hmm. So where where um, I remember when I was playing Jedi Fallen Order on the the PC, twenty eighteen, twenty twenty, it was twenty twenty. It was twenty twenty. Okay. I, I I bought I got it during lockdown. I gotcha. built a new PC because I started playing it and I was like, I need to. I'm going to build a new PC and sort of make the, you know some games a little better. So I built a new PC while I had a load of money because of COVID. Then realized my TV was too small, so I bought a brand new TV. So I had that like, this big 50 inch TV and it was just purely so I could play Jello Fall of Order. Um, and then obviously that's obviously benefited me a lot later. But I remember playing that game and thinking, wow, like this is incredible. I didn't realize the game looked this good. I didn't realize it was this impressive. And then I would see screenshots of people who had also been playing it on their PlayStation 4s, their Xbox Ones, and thinking, that looks like comparable, you know, yeah, com- comparably awful, you know, not awful, but like. That's what I expected it to look like, and I'm play I'm playing it, and like, uh, uh, wow, like this looks incredible. But it's purely because I played it on PC, and I feel like that the PS5 doesn't have enough benefits visually over the the, P- the PC. Um, it's just the content. So maybe for me, this generation hasn't felt like such a jump because I've always been playing on PC, and I've always had the the a lot of the benefits that the ps5 maybe has on my pc already so maybe that's you know maybe that's it yeah and like you think about it right like as somebody who is more predominantly a console player like i was feeling the end of that generation in a way that you weren't right so like that that did feel like a real shift for me of like oh my god these load times oh my god this fidelity right oh my god these games run at 60 fps (laughs) um are all things that i you know you take for granted if you're playing on pc for sure so like you're Mm -hmm. not going to feel that um that change nearly as deeply. That's for sure. Yeah. 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 It's an interesting one. I feel like we'll look back on this generation. Um, uh, either we'll look at it as something that was an outlier because of all the environmental factors and how, and Oh, what would have been different? What wouldn't, or we'll look back at it and be like, man, remember how much people talked about how slow this generation was at the beginning. And yeah. then it was, you know, it was a slapper. Um, and I think I it'll, we had that. We did actually, I, sorry. No, go no, on. go ahead. I feel like we did actually have that last generation. We did have that, like, you know, when are the big PlayStation 5 uh-huh. games, sorry, PlayStation 4 games coming out? Where are they? You know, oh, yeah, we've had Bloodborne, cool, but where's this, that, and the other? And then they just went, bang, here's Spider-Man, bang, here's, sorry, here's Horizon, here's Spider-Man, here's God of War. You know, they, they kept it's... hitting. When did, let me see, because this is the question. I think it's Uncharted 4 came out in, I want to say, 2016? 2016, right? same year as Overwatch 2. Bloodborne was yes. the year before that in 2015. year before that, there was sort of like, oh, you know, we had... Um, what did the Horizon guys used to make? What was the the? Oh, uh, um, Kill Zone. Kill Zone. Yeah, it was like okay, we have Kill Zone, and then the year you know it took until I think Horizon was announced. I think in 2016, maybe or 2015, it must have been at E3. Might have been 15, yeah, because I think that yeah, was I mean, that was the year where they revealed Horizon. They showed off God of War. Yeah. Um, they like kind of were they were like here's the next set of big games to look forward. Yeah, to. yeah, yeah. Um, and I think I think that's where we're at now. I think this is that turning point year, right, for the PS5, because you think about it, um, actually, and this is a conversation Steve and I had a couple of weeks ago, if you want to get, like, in the nitty-gritty about it, the exclusive first-party output is far better on PS5 year-to-date than the PS4 was. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I would agree. Yeah, I think that's because it, because it also has all of the end. End of it's benefiting from the end of the PS4. Yeah, last that year. that cross uh, gen period was extended yeah. by the fact that you couldn't get a PS5, right? Yeah, uh, for yeah. so long. But yeah, I mean, it's like 2015 was when you got Bloodborne. The next year was Uncharted. Next year you got Horizon, and then it was two big releases every year until the end of the the console generation, right? Yeah. 2018 which you is, had yeah. Spider Man God of War. 19 we had um, Last of Us and Ghost of Tsushima. And then 2020, we had... Was that 2019? Right? Or I is that 2020? Like Ghost of Tsushima was 2020. That's 2020. Well, 2020. You're right. That is 2020. Well, it was 2019 then. Because there wasn't a gap. Uh, I remember... Well, 2019, I think, was was maybe not great. For... I mean, Death Stranding was 2019. There we go. Right. Death Stranding. Uh, I'm not seeing a lot else, though. I mean, there was a great year. We had Sekiro, Control, Outer Worlds, Resident Evil 2, Final Fantasy Three Houses, Death Stranding, Apex Legends, Disco Elysium, Jedi Fallen Order... Uh, Devil May Cry 5, Untitled Goose Game, Outer Wilds. God, this is a great year. Link's Awakening, Sword and Shield, Plague Tale Innocence, Baba is You, Kingdom Hearts 3, Mario Maker 2. Kingdom uh, Hearts 3 I was, that was an exclusive. That was one of them. Oh, um, uh, was it? Okay. Yeah. Monster Hunter Iceborne, Metro Exodus, Luigi's Mansion 3, Sinai World House, Days Gone. That was another one. Days Gone came out that year. And then I, oh, God. and then the, the Spider-Man DLC came out that year as well. Yes, yes, it did. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I, I, for a second, I thought you meant, um. Mars Morales, but no, yeah, you're right. There, yeah, there was. Yeah, it was the uh, City Hyrule, That Never Sleeps DLC, Tazera. which was three. That was like a whole game's worth of DLC, basically. Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, God, so, 2019 was just a banger. So, like, point being, uh, I, I think there's a non-zero chance that like that's we're hitting that turning point in the next year or so, mm-hmm. where like Sony's going to announce what the like what is the next big project from Naughty Dog? Like, what's what's the project that um. What's his name? Uh, Corey Barlog from Sony Santa mm-hmm. Monica was working on while they did God of War 2. Like, where's Ghost of Tsushima 2? You know, like, we we have a lot of cards that haven't been played yet. So I, I think, yeah. you know, um, where we're at timeline-wise makes sense. But I also think, like, people are just hungry for more because they're excited, you know? And, like, that's a good place to be, honestly. You know, I think... To take it back to Sierra's question from way earlier, like I think all of them are actually in a really healthy place and mm-hmm. have a pretty bright generation ahead. Um, like assuming that Nintendo's next hardware, you know, the successor to the Switch, uh, drops soon and is successful, um, that's obviously going to generate a lot of new interest in Nintendo and going to lead to a lot of fresh new software. I think we've only just started to see what the PlayStation Five and the Xbox Series X can do. And like this year is going to be where Xbox has a lot of like fresh new stuff to put in people's faces, and we'll see we'll see what hits. But um, yeah, we will. I think twenty twenty three is going to be when we look back on warmly. All I right. Hope so. Well, that's that's we're, we're going to call it there, Max. Good work today. And you, just staunch professionals over here at Flip Screen Games. <laughs> Remember, if you want to send us your unsolicited praise, you can hit us up at questions at flipscreen.games. You can come join the Discord where the conversation keeps rolling between episodes. Uh, or you, know, you can get in touch on Twitter. There's a bunch of ways you can get in contact. However you want to find us, however you want to show your support, the best way to do that is to head over to flipscreen.games. That's our website where you'll find links to our Patreon, our Discord, our email address, all the places you can find us all over the web. There's a link for it over there. However you choose to get involved and show your support, we really appreciate you tuning into this week's episode of the Flipscreen Games podcast. For the crew, I've been Pete. He's been Max. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.